0: Are you ready? I was born to do this stuff. (laughs) I believe it.
1: (laughs) Welcome to the Thoughts on Digital podcast, ideas and insight about the ever-changing world of digital marketing.
0: How's it going, everybody? My name's Adam Levine, and today I'm sitting down with Rob Spierenberg, CEO and co-founder of All Things Media, and today we're talking about on-demand education. Um, All Things Media has been in the education space, whether it's working with you know, companies like McGraw-Hill or Pearson Education, for roughly about 20 years.
1: Yeah, since the beginning. Right, yeah. so
0: we, we've got a, you know, um, a pretty good understanding of where things have been and where things are going. So, how you doing, Rob? I'm good, Adam. How are you? I'm doing great. Yeah, you ready to do this? I am. I'm all. I'm all ready. Let's uh, all right. let's, let's let's get into it. Let's, let's talk, talk about on-demand education. Yeah, well, where things are are going, right? So, the the landscape has shifted, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. From the traditional classroom where someone just speaks at you know the class and and people take notes to something a lot a lot more broad and a lot more more fluid, in, immersive. Yeah,
1: I think. If you look back over the past 20 years, the 20 years that we've been doing this, we've really engaged with education in every different aspect. Um, we, we've developed for the educators. We started building companion CDs for textbooks and trying to augment the content in textbooks with like companion websites and things like that. Um, we moved into corporate education and training for a lot of major automotive manufacturers, Mercedes Benz, BMW. To name a few, um, or a couple, I guess, but there's there's plenty more. Sure. And then we've also done everything in between. And and I think that what you're what we're finding now, or what we've seen over the past twenty years, is the the same thing that you're seeing in in video, the same thing that you're seeing everywhere, which is the idea that people are no longer willing to tune into a broadcast or to wrap their schedule and their, their habits and their behaviors around the schedule and habits and behaviors of those that are putting the content out. Mm-hmm. So in the same way that in video, you've seen people unwilling to go to the movie theater, although, you know, there's still plenty of attendance there, but unwilling to go to the TV at a specific time, right. starting with DVR, um, and this increase of on-demand video, the same way that you've seen that happen in the video space, you're seeing the same thing happen in education. You're seeing the same thing happen pretty much everywhere. Sure. Education is particularly interesting, though. Because if you look at the, the history of education, it's almost coming full circle. And it sounds a little weird when I say it, but bear with me. Um, so early on, there's was, there was kind of two primary types of education. One was the, the oration. Right. Like, you know, ancient Greece guy stands in front of a group of people and just talks, drops some science. And everybody's like, wow, this guy knows what he's talking about. And then they go and they talk about it and they think about it. And they come up with their own theories and then they stand in front of a group of people. And that's essentially where kind of the typical classroom came from. The other type of education that was going on back then is apprenticeship. You got a blacksmith or a tradesman, right. he brings somebody else in, he teaches them how to do it. They learn by doing. So there was learn by doing and learn by oration or traditional just dictation. Sure. And I think it remained largely unchanged you know, from, from then until really recent history. I mean, obviously there was new tools that were brought in. Um, There's new, you know, video was another thing that was brought in. But again, that's disseminated information for people to sit and right. be a passive. At, at passive its core, observer. the
0: techniques have been the same.
1: Yeah. The, 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 the general principle and what we're seeing now and what we've seen over the past 10 to 15 years is this, this kind of very dramatic shift. I mean, you know, 15 years feels like a long time, but not when you look back to ancient Greece, Right. this pretty interesting shift, right? So education largely did move away from more of the, the tradesman focused thing over time. Um, and specific trades, high risk trades, you saw, um, you know, the, the apprenticeship continue. Which is, you know, doctors and anywhere where a mistake would be too costly to risk it. Right. You, you saw a lot more of that hands-on apprenticeship training. happening, mm-hmm. right, in in some form or another. Right. But in the classroom, it, it remained very much the same. Teacher stands in front of the class. The kids have the books. They they you know read what's there, and they go over it together, and they take a test to prove that they absorbed what was there. Right. Um, with the emergence of the, the new technology that's been coming out over, over the past years and also a kind of a radical rethinking in the education space of what what actually, what actually people actually learn, like sure. what, what actually um, sticks with someone. We've seen this huge kind of change over the past 20 years. So let's talk a little bit about what that change is. Yeah, There is an increased emphasis on blended learning. And blended learning, for lack of, you know, in, in a very simplified definition, is the idea of on-demand learning. It's the idea that that, that people learn where they want to learn, when they want to learn, and to a certain extent, how they want to learn.
0: Right, because blended learning also encompasses other tools beyond the classroom, you know, like online material or, you know, video material or just things that are not just a textbook.
1: And it's available to people where they want to learn it. Right. right? So these online classrooms, Mm -hmm. these online universities, um, mobile phones now becoming a big part of that. It's on their schedule more or less. And, you know, there might, there's probably key benchmarks, but, but what they learn in between those benchmarks, it's kind of on their schedule, how they attack it and where they go. And so what you're seeing with blended learning and what you're seeing with learning in general is a shift from the teacher dictating what you learn and when you learn it and how you learn it and what's important to the students starting to kind of guide the learning process Mm -hmm. and the way that they do that, or one of the ways that we've been successful in doing that is this idea of kind of a tiered entry level or kind of a low barrier of entry, a zero zero degree entry into the pool of learning. The idea there is that you start with stuff that's more visual, more visually engaging, quick hit, very high level points. Mm-hmm. Then you give the, the student the option to dig deeper. Maybe they dig a little bit deeper and then you go to this tier where it's visual and, and kind of information is more balanced. Right. And then you have a deeper dive that goes into just blocks of information and long-form content. And what that allows us to do is to create really compelling um, visual education experiences um, that that students can look at to get their bearing, and then give the student the option to to decide to engage with the, the, the deeper dive into the content. And what you find when you do that is that the student is more engaged. The student is, is more apt to learn because they're actively engaging in the learning process. Right. They're making they're a choice. Right. Exactly. Traditionally in education too, there, there's this principle that we've been fighting um, to, to kind of get people away from over years, this thought process that you can take a pool of water and if you pour it on a glass, the glass is going to take all of that water. The reality is the the, the age of the one-hour e-learning course is quickly evaporating. The hour-long text-based dictation, a couple of images and a few evaluations, that type of e-learning format is quickly starting to fall apart, and it's falling apart for a couple of reasons. One, human beings have a hard time retaining large blocks of information in a single sitting. You can get three learning objectives in, you can get some key points in, but if you throw a one-hour you know, dictation at someone, they may take away some of the stuff that you want, but the chances of them taking away all of the important information that you threw into that one-hour session right. are way less.
0: Right. It's just too much. Yeah.
1: Whereas in a 15-hour session, they have time to take it in. You can quickly hit a few key points, and then they can, they can disengage from the learning session, and what they've learned isn't buried under more stuff that they're learning. Right. Um, they can so,
0: actually take time to absorb what they've learned.
1: Exactly. And, and so this more is more um, ideology that, that education has, has kind of labored under this library of information in a single course cram as much in there as you can is quickly starting to to go or quickly, I I would say not as quick as it should, but it's starting to kind of go away in favor of these quicker hits. Mm -hmm. And so on the one, one side, it's a better way to educate on the other side, the, the, this whole change hasn't been, hasn't come around because, um, people just realized it was a better way to learn. The The impetus for all of this has been the fact that people in general are becoming accustomed to this on-demand lifestyle. Right. This on-demand lifestyle. Video is a very clear example. Right. Fast yeah. food is another example. Any, anything that sure. you look about in society in general that's happening right now is the idea of, I, I don't want to say instant gratification because that sounds wrong. Yeah. Um, it, it sounds, it as a negative connotation right. to it. But – um but control, Mm -hmm. control shifting from the people that, that want to give you advertisements that want you to walk, you know, walk into a car dealership and, 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 and walk you through this sales process, the the people that want to kind of control your path Mm -hmm. to the user now increasingly wanting to, and having the power to control their path in pretty much every engagement that they have. It's kind of a power to the people decentralization, um, I, ideal. And it's way higher level and, and more profound and deep than what we typically talk about. But it is a fundamental shift, societal shift that we've been seeing happening over the past 20 years. And that shift affects every area of the business that we do. And when you when you look back at it, when you connect the dots going back, mm-hmm. it was inevitable from the moment that the World Wide Web started, right. was, was as created. Soon as,
0: as soon as everyone... Became connected, and it just you know it increased. You know, yeah. As
1: soon as information was available to everybody, yep. the on-demand culture that we're now seeing starting to you know, really starting to proliferate yeah. was inevitable. Mm-hmm. It's inevitable that human beings, if given the option, will will choose want to choose their own path. Everybody, or the vast majority of people, feel that they are are better suited to, to make their to own decisions dictate, to dictate their sure. fate in any instance sure. than. Than, than, some guy high up there in in, in a chair, and right. so we're going to see a lot more of this happening. We're going to see a lot more of it happen in education, and it's very interesting when you look at the role of the teacher, right? Because yeah. the the guy used to stand up there in front of the front of the yeah. class and orate. Mm-hmm. Now what happens? Now, now, how does the teacher still fit into the equation?
0: I mean, I, I look at that like you know an opportunity for the teacher to you know, pre-plan out their lessons like they would, but then record their lessons, right? So they don't necessarily need to, you know, you can still have that classroom setting, but you've got students that don't need to be there that can, you know, you say, okay, well, the test is going to be on the you know, so-and-so day. Let's say if you still want to have that traditional model, but you can now have, you know, if the test is a month out. You've got between now and then to either watch all these videos on your own time or come to the lectures or both.
1: Yeah, which is, know, it's kind of a college, of miss, so you're thinking college.
0: I'm thinking, but but think, I'm thinking that could, you know, this is a huge shift. Translate right? to
1: high school. It really could,
0: yeah. but then you're also getting into the, at what age are you responsible, responsible enough, enough to, mm-hmm. to do that? You know, do you want, but I do you wind up with people, you know, the fear there is you've got a lot of kids who are maybe going to flunk that otherwise would have maybe passed. but Because they've been forced into because the they've structure been forced into into it, and the way of thinking. But did they, but here's the here's the, the rub, did they learn anything when they were forced into it, okay. So yeah, yeah, they remembered something for a night so they could pass a test the next day. But did they retain that? You know. Yeah. I, I think they can pass. I but think what's the, it the work?
1: traditional classroom isn't going to go away. Yeah. I think what we see, at least in in the K through twelve, at least not for the short term. Sure. What we're going to see happen in K through twelve is the instructor or the teacher is going to go from from standing in front of the class and writing on a chalkboard. To actually sitting side by side with the students and helping to kind of guide them through this process of self-learning teaching them the skills that that, that they need to identify what information is important and what information is of interest and what's what's really going to benefit them um, still allowing the student to, to select their path but giving them helping to facilitate the environment mm-hmm. you know you, you think about it like this there is You know, a lifeguard, and then there's a swim instructor. Mm -hmm. The lifeguard just sits there and watches and makes sure that nobody's running by the pool and everybody's following the rules. Right. Um, The swim instructor actually takes them into the pool and shows them how to swim. And the pool, at the end of the day, is this wide, you know— this wide collection of educational resources that, that exists. Mm-hmm. Up until now, the, the pool's been very rigid and it's been, you know, this is Shut this up. is what's there and Shut you've got up. to swim in exactly this way and you can only be in this part of the pool. Well, now that pool is becoming completely fluid, pun mm-hmm. intended. <laughs> I see what you did there. Where, where uh, the, there's gonna be so many resources available mm-hmm. to the instructor that, that even within the curriculums that they're already buying. You know, right. example, McGraw-Hill. Um, we just built uh, augmented reality and video augmentation to um, their existing textbook curriculum that right. allows somebody if somebody wants to, they could just do the textbook. But if they you know, read the textbook, but if they, they want more, they want to get more out of it, a more experiential thing. They, they pick up an augmented reality application and they you know point at the textbook and they can bring up a 3D model of a figure in the textbook and engage with it and break it apart and experience it and experiment on it right.
0: I think, I think it's interesting also that, so the, the, the first entry point into, you know, what we built for, for, you know, like McGraw, putting a layer of AR on top of an existing book, because that's what they had, right? That Mm -hmm. made sense as a first entry point. This is the bridge. This is the bridge, because the next step is really to work with the education companies in developing the book, in developing the content, Mm -hmm. or in developing how that works, because there could be. You know, not just, okay, so this is an interesting, deeper dive into this one section based on, you know, a photograph that's in the book versus part of the curriculum that was built around a virtual environment.
1: The whole idea of the book is very much, you know, akin to the idea of a a massive, you know, e-learning course, right? That, you know, think about it like this. You have an e-learning course that's 10 hours long. Sure. Okay. Nobody's ever going to do that in a single sitting. Right. So you come in, you take part of it, a chapter of it or one little section of it, and then you leave and you come back and you pick it up somewhere else. Why, what's the value in that? Why not de-aggregate that into a bunch of fi- smaller 15 minute courses that give sure. you that key takeaway. You walk away with it, you come back, you take another one and they're de-aggregated so that you can really focus just on the one little thing. You don't have to have the whole course. And I think that's something we're seeing happening in education where This, this large thick textbook has so much information in it, but some of the teachers or some of the curriculums or some of the the school systems only want to teach small bits of it. Mm -hmm. So I think we're going to see that book broken apart. And I think we're going to see smaller, more discrete packets of information disseminated with a lot more digital tools and digital augmentation behind it. Yeah. Right. Rather than a big book with like a couple digital tools scattered here and there, Exactly. you're going to see a smaller right. book with a lot more of the digital content, a mm-hmm. lot more video support, a lot more simulations, a lot more AR and all these other, other technologies. So we've kind of talked about the, the, you know, going from the Greek guys standing in the, the oration in his robes, right. having a great time talking about, you know, you know, Theology or whatever, and everybody's sitting around and listening and where that's going. So that's the traditional classroom to uh, kind of a more flex and modern classroom, what's happening there. But at the same time, back then, there was also some guy hammering away on an anvil learning right. in this apprenticeship. In a trade. So what's happening with that? Apprenticeships for kind of the, the less critical stuff, they're, they're still there. But, you know, anything that you needed to physically do or interact with, um, is still there, but a lot of it, you know, is isn't as common in learning, and I think it hasn't been as common in learning over the years because it's costly, right? And it's a commitment, and you know, there's still tra- you know trade schools and things like that, are are there. But it's not, you know, this type of real world experience is not always available, especially in like the K through twelve level, and especially, you know, at a low cost because it's a costly thing to do. Sure. And so what we're what we're going to see now happening, and we're already seeing happening now, is is this um, explosion of simulations, VR and augmented reality are going to give you the ability to, to simulate a lot of these experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, with all of the the variables that you would engage in in real life, but without the risk associated with failure. Because the two things that stop you from doing a simulation is cost mm-hmm. and and the risk of failure, right? Um, yeah. And so for a doctor that's training in school, they go through all of these hours of training and learning and learning. Then they go into an apprenticeship and they slowly work their way, apprenticeship, uh, residency, sure. and slowly work okay. their way up. To, to being able to do it on their own, to fly mm-hmm. solo. And I think there'll always be some, some of that in there. But I think that earlier on in the process, when we're doing all of this text-based learning and testing and quizzing and all of that stuff, I think we're gonna see simulations inserted into that process so that by the time they get to their residency, they will have already experienced so many hours right. of simulated VR-based procedures. Mm-hmm. And the best way to learn, one of the best ways to learn, and I think you're going to see this in a lot of education TED talks and education um, speakers and, and methodologies out there, is failure. Failure is the greatest teacher of all. The problem is when you're trying to learn how to do open heart surgery, failure <laughs> is not, is you can't walk away from that saying, "Well, you know, the guy died, but I learned something." It doesn't work that way. Right. Um, and so that's why simulations are so key. Right. And and these. Immersive VR-based and and augmented reality-based simulations are going to give students the ability to fail, uh, you know, in a safe environment without, without risk to see the without, repercussions yeah. of this and versus that, mm-hmm. and to to execute those those super critical trial and error decisions and and critical decisions without the associated risk of that failure up front right. before they get into a position where they're put in that situation sure. and and they have to make a decision. They will have already been in that situation and potentially made the wrong decision, but nobody right. died. And right. now they're in that situation again and they know what to do. Right. And i uh, that's the power of simulation and the power, the, the added power of it is it's going to be available to you on your mobile device. So it's the great equalizer because again, it, it comes back to money too. You know, we like to right. think that that education is this, and education is a very bold and noble endeavor, but at the end of the day, there's still business behind it. And mm-hmm. and traditionally, there have been a lot of communities and, and low-income school districts that uh, that have been underserved by the educational system that we have in place. But now, with the, the rise and ubiquity of smartphones and the increasing, you know, immersive nature of these simulations and, and you know, AR and VR tools suddenly experiences that were once completely reserved for people in a, in a in a wealthy school district are going to be available to everybody maybe you have a vers- virtual sure. frog dissection on a phone or a tablet right you're getting a level of the experience that you you might have only gotten in a school district that had the money to buy a bunch of frogs right, right? right. or you can take a field trip to paris when you could never you know and and get a, get a sense of key historical you know landmarks sure. or look at the museums there without having to spend the money on the ticket. Some people may never go there, but at least on some level, they'll be able to experience and learn from other cultures and other places.
0: I I think, I think that's great too. Um, because you know, you, you open the door to, to so many people, so many people that, you know, might not have otherwise had an opportunity
1: in these modern times when getting, you know, one minute of a person's time is, is hard. Mm -hmm. Education is evolving to To serve that need, and and the reality is, man, I think people are going to learn more. I think it is going to be better. We're going to have sure. smarter, maybe not smarter, <laughs> but we're going to have people that come away with more information than they would have. And and that's the name of the game today. Yeah, is how quickly can we get this information in their heads so they can move on to something else.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I think that you know, that puts a fine point on it. I think that's you know a good a good summation of, of where things are going.
1: Right, so let's uh we're we're gonna we're gonna get back to the, the workshop and yep. and start cramming some some thoughts into <laughs> people's heads as quickly as possible. Um and because, we'll look uh, forward to we'll look forward to meeting you on the next one. Excellent.
0: Right Adam? Sounds good to me. All right. <laughs> Take care. Ideas always go further when they're shared. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a review on iTunes or drop us a comment on YouTube. Let us know what you think about today's topic. We'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.